0: You aren't being a proper woman,
1: therefore, you must be a witch. You must be a witch. Hello to the
0: Missing Witches Coven. I'm so excited for this chat today with our guest, Kristen Soleil, who is an amazing witch author.
1: Kristen, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, yes. I have written three books on the legacy of the witch in different forms. Witches, us Feminists, Catcall, and my new one is Witch Hunt, A Traveler's Guide to the Power and Persecution of the Witch. I also teach um, an undergraduate gender studies course for the past six years at the new school called The Legacy of the Witch, and it's introducing feminist concepts um, and talking about early modern witch hunting history and the witch archetype in popular culture, just a whole mishmash of things.
0: So let's go a little bit chronologically. Catcall is the one that I haven't read, so can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Yeah, that um, is kind of the relationship of the cat and the cat archetype with femininity throughout history and the way cats have been disparaged or maligned because of their association with femininity and tracing that all the way back to Aristotle and... you know, there's the cats and the witch hunts and uh, and the way cats have been um, used in, in politics and uh, sort of as um, a parallel in our language for women, you know, catty, pussy, kittenish, all those things. So it's kind of a strange book it's the least known um it's like my little sleeper but I I, but I love it nevertheless (laughs) yeah having having read the
0: the second two I think definitely Catcall is next on my list for sure I'm really excited to get into that so some of the people that I know that are witches are like you know I was I was born a witch I always knew and some people were like oh you know I watched the craft in high school and that kind of got me thinking which are you which witch are Mm. you
1: Um, so I grew up with a lot of things that I would call witchcraft now, and my mom is a witch. And so, (gasps) hold
0: on, hold on, I can't, I have to stop you there. Can you please (laughs) tell us a little bit about your mom and and what kind of witch she is?
1: Yeah, not an initiated tradition, but a clairvoyant and someone who you know works with the natural world for manifestation and, um, and for her own healing and community healing, etc. And so yeah I feel like that that was something I just thought of as stuff Mom did or taught me about like meditation and manifestation and and you know you know what herbs to use for this or that or um and like how to write you know what I wanted and how to you know carry that around or bury it or do whatever with it to like you know get what i you know, was after, but I had a lot of Wiccan friends in high school. So I was like, oh, that's what witchcraft is. Cause I was in the nineties and I just didn't know, you know? And mm-hmm. so that was never my path. I was never drawn to that, even though I love them. Um, and so I was like, never really identified with that word until maybe my twenties when I met a bunch of different practitioners in New York. And then they took me to witch shops. And then I was like, oh, it can be so many more things than, you know? So I guess, it's a weird question. I don't really have one answer, but I guess as far as using the term, it was much later in life. Um, but as far as like the practice, I would say my whole life, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. And the and the, the practices have changed. But Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: So, so if you feel
0: comfortable, can you describe some of the some of the things? I mean, you're a writer and I think we both find um that that is part of our practice
1: oh yes absolutely
0: always Mm -hmm. um but do do you use tarot cards are you a diviner like what what kind of things does your practice involve spiritual baths
1: like right now not right in this oh oh, yeah
0: yeah these days these days yeah
1: yeah 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 um not like terrible love spells because that was (laughs) a lot of the past I don't do that anymore Because they ended up, oh, I got some rough outcomes, not knowing what I was doing. But that's, you know, every witch will have an experience or many like that. Um, I, you know, bibliomancy and automatic writing and that candle magic, a lot of sex magic. um, That's sort of my practice, I would say. Can I stop you just yeah. because
0: I I can sort of infer what it means but I've never actually heard the word bibliomancy before. Oh
1: yeah. I'm, it's just using books for divination. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you put yourself in the place that you would um, you know, centering and um cleansing yourself like you would before you read tarot for yourself or before you, you know, do any sort of, you know, spell work or ritual and then You know, for me, sometimes it involves just like picking a book off the shelf and opening to a page and just sort of finding an answer in in that page that I'm not expecting or even knowing what I'm looking for. And it sort of comes through
0: For sure, sometimes when I'm writing a missing witches episode, I'll I'll get the biography of the witch, and before I start reading it, I'll just kind of open it to a random page, and it's sort of like I feel like it's like that witch or that author like telling me what is important through this like chance.
1: Absolutely, yes, there it is. So I mean, some people do it in a lot more codified fashion. Um, I do it sometimes, you know, on purpose, and sometimes it'll just happen because I'm always around books and touching books and they just feel so uh, like an extension of who I am and my thoughts. And even if they're not my books, I just feel like just all that, you know, uh, that energy that goes into creating a book and the, and the knowledge and the history of that knowledge that's part of most books out there. You know, there's, there's a lot of power in, in those pages, you know, and I, I don't do it with digital, like Kindle stuff. I don't do that. I mean, I know it's like better for the environment in some ways, but it's also it's not exactly a cut and dry thing. So I, I'm still old fashioned books or library books or whatever, but yeah. I still prefer the paper on my fingers. You know?
0: Especially a library book because mm. it's been through so many hands.
1: Oh, yeah. And just to even look when you get the kind that would have the stamps on the back and you can even see like the dates it's been taken out, like when you get a really old one, I love that. Yeah. And
0: uh, I, I try to buy used books as often as mm, I can. First, obviously, for the environmental reason, but also because then you get whoever read it before you, like what they underlined, yes. the little notes that they make in margins. Those are so thrilling to
1: me. Oh, yeah. Or when they dedicate it to someone weird in the front and they're like, what was that relationship, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I, uh, I ordered a secondhand copy of a, a book of essays. And when I opened it up, there was a seven of diamonds inside. Wow. And I okay. looked I I looked it up at the time because I was like, okay, this means something and I've forgotten what it meant, but like whatever the seven of diamonds means in, in cardamancy is like, I was like, this is exactly correct.
1: <laughs> Wait, so that's 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 pentacles, right? Diamonds is pentacles. Like if you yeah transfer I, it over <laughs> I think there is some translation between yeah.
0: like a, a tarot deck and like a yeah definitely deck of playing cards
1: yeah that's so fascinating yeah um I yeah, haven't so, really found I found actually once I found a pressed marijuana leaf inside a book that was the only thing that was weird that I ever found <laughs> that's
0: magic for sure yes for sure <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about witches sluts and feminists sure okay. The things and the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because this is something that we've seen so much, in, and you quote so many amazing witches. Um, I want to go to one of your chapters here. Um, one of my favorite chapters is um, Hex Cells. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, Feminism, Capitalism, and the Witch. Because this is something, again, like, and, and again, you talk about this a lot in the book, in particular in this chapter, um, you know you you go to urban outfitters mm-hmm. and sort of like check out their witch merch Yeah, and, and I think that this is something that the modern witch is I don't know if struggling is the right word but like something that we have to think about because when we get our tools from ethical sources versus unethical sources yeah um, I think that I mean, they're magical tools, so we have to believe that the energy with which they were created is sort of imbued within them, right? Absolutely, it's super important. Yeah. So when this like witch aesthetic becomes Mm. like mass-produced in a in a non-ethical way, you know, with exploitation of labor, yeah, what does that mean for the products that we're buying and the witch that we are? It sounds like a rhetorical question, but I'm genuinely asking you: what What does that mean for the witch that we are?
1: Yeah, I mean, and then also you have the layer of that. And it's usually there's some element of an, a, an appropriative practice, you know, where they're appropriating some sort of closed practice in a lot of this like, you know, witchy merch sometimes, you know, with like selling bundles of sage at white sage at Urban Outfitters or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's just, there's layer upon layer uh, to think about. And, you know, at the same time in that chapter, I talk about how some people, it is somewhat of a privilege to be able to have the knowledge to know how to avoid, you know, certain kinds of production cycles and know about like the abuses of capitalism and know about cultural appropriation. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's its its, its own thing. Like where are people learning about that? You know, some people don't even know these concepts yet, I believe, I mean, so I mean more and more now, but, um, so yeah, there are going to always be people who come across urban outfitters as an example, perfect example. And maybe they are like, they buy a tarot deck. They're like, oh, this is weird. Or, you know, like, I'm going to be a fortune teller or something like, Ugh, you know, at first glance to us, but then maybe they do begin to study and go deeper. And so I don't know how wrong is that if they were totally unaware and then they, you know, enter into the world of the occult and then educate themselves. So there's like, I try to think that that's the one good thing, but at the same time, you know, the witch I think is particularly the witch archetype. Um, if you follow like Sylvia Federici, you know, she sort of stands for this like world of, female subjects that, you know, yes. capitalism had to do away with in order for, you know, uh, it to triumph. So I,
0: I have this page open and it's oh, mine highlight. So I'll, I'll go ahead and read this for, for our listeners. Um, Sylvia Federici, obviously we here at Missing Witches are huge fans of hers as well. So um, Sylvia Federici argues the witch is, again this is like triple (laughs) (laughs) highlight there's like a little anyway the witch is the embodiment of a world of female subjects that capitalism had to destroy so it does seem kind of counterintuitive if we think of the witch like that as the witch also being this corporate entity
1: right like you can't truly you can't buy and sell witchcraft you can like sell the merch or the tools all day long but what are those tools without the people who use them you know and so yeah i think like obviously you could get your tools from nature you don't need to go to a store at all to be a practicing witch you know Mm. so i i know that that's something many of us know but i still think there's a lot of baby witches who are like i have to buy everything you know
0: (laughs) Right. I, I mean, I always say like your index finger is the best magic yes. wand that you will ever, you know, or the, and I think it was um, Gerald Gardner. Was it? Gar- no, it was Scott Cunningham. Scott Cunningham said that like the rock that you find in the road is no different mm. than like, you know, exactly. the, the one you buy from the shop or whatever. Yeah. And,
1: you know, I've been thinking about that with like crystals, you know, for years, I didn't really know about the harmful practices of you know mining for crystals that I know about now and so I bought so many and now I'm like no more I'm not buying any more crystals as much as I love to look at uh, glittering things it's like you don't need any more and a lot of it is unethical where it comes from and there's a lot of exploitation in the countries that you're you know stealing it from basically like ripping Mm -hmm. from the ground like so I I Definitely agree with that rock in the road, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think Maya
0: Angelou said, uh, "When you know better, you do better," yeah, and that's definitely yeah. been my experience. I, I, for sure, like you know, got my first rose quartz from eBay. Oh from yeah, some, you know, unknown. <laughs> no shame. There's
1: so many embarrassing, terrible things that I did, and I didn't know. And and I always seek to educate myself to be better and less of a gross <laughs> person. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, so I'm hoping with this, that chapter, I really hope just like people would read it and hopefully think a little bit more about, you know, you know, what, what practices have to be in place for something to be produced ethically, like who's making it, like where are the ma- raw materials coming from, what's the environmental impact, all that stuff. But again, it's also a privilege to have the time to go through all that. And then the money to usually buy a more expensive thing, unless you're just getting it from the world around you, you know?
0: Sure. Picking so, it up from the ground. From right?
1: the ground. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so but, yeah, it's complex.
0: It is very complex. Uh, and I think there are, I mean, it kind of reminds me of this one story. I, um, I became friends with a, a mixed indigenous woman and she was doing, um, circles and she let me play her drum and I just really felt really connected to mm-hmm. the hand drum. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, I, uh, this line between appropriation and appreciation, I think a lot of it has to do with when you monetize, Yes, you know? So I, I did get myself a drum. I did not start teaching, you know, <laughs> right. shamanistic drumming. Totally. I would, never, I would never take money for it. But here's the thing, like, I felt connected to this drum. So I went and I did my research and I got my drum from a Quebec, an uh, indigenous company. mm mm-hmm. I want to say tribal spirit music. I'll put it in the show notes if I'm wrong, but <laughs> tribal spirit music. And again, all of their materials are ethically sourced and, you know, they do everything in the old ways. And again, it's run by Indigenous people. So I felt good about it. You know, once again, I'm not going out and advertising like here comes Amy, the drummer. It's just <laughs> my, my personal practice. But one of my girlfriends who was also in the circle with me, she got her drum from like, a lady and it was pretty
1: and,
0: <laughs> you know she like yeah. saw the picture and it was like ooh like and so she she ordered it from this lady and then like she had to hunt the woman down and chase her down she didn't send it to her when she finally mm. sent it to her it didn't come with a beater What <laughs> you know and so for me I'm kind of like well that's what you get <laughs> and, and you know I, I said that to my girlfriend I was like <laughs> Well, you know, like because mine is is imperfectly shaped. It's not mm-hmm. a perfect circle. It's like and they sent it to me literally like within days with like a beautiful note. Aww. You know, hoping that I Yeah, working. yeah. And and so I think that there's like it, its own reward when you when you have an ethical practice. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And your money is going to support people that you support, you know, and want to support, et cetera. So yeah, absolutely. When it's possible, that is yeah. the goal.
0: So let's go back to this Sylvia Federici quote. Mm-hmm. Um, the embodiment of the world of female subjects that capitalism had to destroy. So we can think of tons of examples of this. The first one that pops into my mind is the nurse, the doctor, the medicine woman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the book, um, Witches, Midwives and Nurses. Mm-hmm. Absolutely is is you know my go-to for that. I, I recommend it all the time. But in your book, one of my favorite sort of this which had to be destroyed mm-hmm. is the is the sexual the sexuality, a, a, a sexual woman.
1: Oh, yeah. Or the sacred whore or all those. The, yeah. Yes,
0: I was going to say the sacred whore being yeah. one. And, 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 and then you're talking about the um, Malifus Maleficarum where all witchcraft comes from carnal lust, which is in women insatiable. So we have these contrary ideas where like, women are bad because they're sexual. But then we have this flip side of like, well, women are prudes and and it's our job to like protect ourselves from sex crazy men, you know, who will attack us if our
1: shirt is our skirt is too short. Well, that's the modern view. You know, back then, we're talking like 15th century, it was that women were closer to Satan and more likely to stray from that path and more likely to corrupt men. (laughs) <laughs> so, how do you think that dichotomy got flipped? You know, that's a really interesting question, and I I don't know the historiography of that. And I think uh, it it just it, it's just like a pick and choose, which you know, which uh, viewpoint is easier to employ to control uh, women or female sexuality, right? <laughs> it's right. Like one stopped working, or one got overused. I don't know. They're like, okay, the witch hunts are over. we, we did that now let's pick something. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, that's a really interesting question. I wish I had a more scholarly answer for you. But yeah, um, I, I find that fascinating too, because, but you know, we are still, there's still so much stigma against sexual women or sex workers and like the connection between femininity and sexuality today and the like the evil depravity of, of you know, sexual women. So that still persists too. But then there is that other side, like you said, that like, women don't like sex and like it's men who are, you know, these, yeah, the, the, obviously these are just like total ridiculous caricatures. Yeah. And like school, <laughs>
0: school girls can't wear tank tops. Yes. The flight of their shoulders makes men Right,
1: right. The boys will stop studying and just like, you know, burn the school down. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is one of the things I love about, about both of your books that I read um is that you have this like historical and contemporary viewpoints and then you you find ways to link them like you talk about the witch hunt and then you talk about the Isla Vista shooter Mm -hmm. and sort of like um connect the things that he said before he Mm -hmm. went on his murder rampage to the witch hunts. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah I mean that specifically or just like the connection between past and present? Both. Oh okay um yeah well that Isla Vista shooter was one of many examples of misogynistic extremists you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um who, like, or incels, you know, et cetera, um, who just bring up this idea of uh, um, that w- the ownership of female bodies and of expecting female sexuality to be handed to you and, you know, women as property and all that, that persists since the times of the witch hunts and long before that. So there's so many ways to connect these Two time periods and and i know it's dangerous too and i'm well aware that like i have friends who are strict historians that warn me you know against the dangers of making too many connections um but i still think it's really important and galvanizing for us in our current moment dealing with the sexism and the misogyny and the patriarchal culture and the you know Transphobia and all that to like look to the past. Sometimes,
0: can you explain how it's dangerous? Because for me, like making these patterns is is all my brain wants to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, me too. I mean, from these historic, strict historian perspectives, I've I've heard that you know they think uh, your each time comes so within its own context and cultural mores and folkways, and it's it's can be historically inaccurate or it can. you know, gloss over the lived experiences of people in both times by trying to say they're exact; those times are exactly alike. You know, I right, I I, I, I get it what they're saying, but I think it's important to obviously be as historically accurate as possible, but also I think myth making or these connections are really important to to you know uh, inspiring us in our political movements and our in our daily lives. So. It's like, which do you wait more? And I certainly wait the latter more without sacrificing historicity as much as possible. But I get it that some historians are like, oh, it's so annoying when all these people try to twist the path to their their aims you know
0: (laughs) right right because all all we have are sort of the second hand
1: yeah exactly
0: right we weren't there
1: no and it's all distorted through the lens of the victors writing the histories you know what I mean so I Mm -hmm. get that that's true and I've certainly read things I saw them one way and then I read deeper and was like oh wait maybe it's this way and so I get that you can totally like not get it right quote unquote but I've never you know, saying that, like, this is exactly the way the past happened. you know, it's re, you know, recurring now exactly the same way. I'm saying there's things to draw from these, um, you know, episodes in history that can inform us and inspire us today. And so I think there's nothing wrong with that, you know? So haters be damned.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That'll be the subtitle for this episode. Haters be damned. (laughs) Hex the haters. Uh Hex your haters. So let's talk about witch hunt. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, like, I had so many travel plans for 2020 that were canceled, obviously. Yeah. But reading your book, it really was, like, witch hunt specifically um it really was like as bittersweet as it was you know <laughs> I mean? yes it was like because you, in the book you travel you're not yeah. you're not just writing about places you are going to oh yeah places. and so for me reading the book was like was like going through these places myself because your lens is this i'm using scare quotes here witch lens yeah you know to me it really felt like the trip that I would take
1: oh I'm so honored to hear that that is like the best compliment ever
0: <laughs> so uh, all the witches out here out there who are listening I really if you your traveling bone is like aching and throbbing <laughs> and vibrating I really suggest like uh, in lieu of traveling you know physically right um tr- travel with Kristen oh through um Europe mostly Western Europe it's yep. like France, Germany, uh, Italy, Italy. a lot of time in Italy. So let's start with um, one of my favorite sections, which was your tour of the Vatican.
1: Oh, yes. A witch's guide to the Vatican, I call the chapter.
0: (laughs) Right. And that, I mean, that's precisely what it is. Obviously, we think of um, the Vatican as being this, like, holy place for Catholicism and Catholicism only. Right. But in your chapter, you talk about all the little hidden and i don't want to spoil it no spoilers for the people who are planning to read it but can you maybe choose one of the the pagan mysteries or (laughs) you know something that gave you like a very witch vibe that you found in the
1: vatican yeah um i mean first of all i've been a couple times and i grew up with uh, Catholic parents although my mom's a Catholic but moved on to other things uh, as as I mentioned but my dad was a Catholic and is a hardcore atheist because he hates Catholicism so much mm-hmm. it was always in my mind from childhood Is like Catholics are horrible and they killed everybody and you know what I mean and and so I wasn't really I was at, never really thinking I would find anything witchy in the Vatican until I really started traveling there like in my later 20s And being like, sure, I'm curious, you know, and then I realized, oh, my God, there's, you know, there's so much incredible art there. And, you know, you can see so many pre-Christian deities, you know, like lioness goddess Sekhmet, and there's Athena, and uh, who else is in there? Aphrodite. And there's, of course, there's Joan of Arc and Catherine of Siena, but all these sort of like Christian witches, quote unquote, that you know, people in witchcraft communities, you know, work with in their spiritual practice um, or have been, you know, allied with the witch archetype by contemporary practitioners because they're sort of groundbreaking women, you know, or femmes. So, um, God, what is my favorite thing? I mean, there's so many like little moon and star, you know, circular, um, designs on the floor in the marble. And then like, there's a Seder in, um, in uh Saint Peter's um Basilica, under the the papal altar, there's like a satyr's face, and like all kinds of little things if you're looking you'll see you're like, this is really fucking pagan in here <laughs> <laughs> Vatican's so pagan yo. yeah yeah it's <laughs> super witchy in there and so when I started to see it that way I was like oh my god this is the witchiest like if you want to do witch travel right you have to go to the Vatican (laughs) (laughs) which just sounds absurd to say but I don't know
0: yeah I mean when you when you think of you know the the witch tour and I'm forget I'm spacing out on the name there's like I think it's is it in Italy? There's like a, a town that has sigils like painted on all of the rooftops.
1: Mm, I don't know what city that is, but I, I believe it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll figure it out and I'll put it in the show notes. Awesome. I'd love to <laughs> because, know. Yeah. My, my sister traveled there and sent me about a thousand pictures. She, by the way, her birthday is next month and she will be getting a copy of witch hunt <gasps> for her birthday. Awesome. I mean, yeah. Because she, unlike myself has actually been to most of the places that you mentioned. Oh, cool. So I think she and I will have a very different experience. And for those of you listening at home whether you're super well traveled like my sister is or like moderately okay traveled like I am I, I feel like you're you're really gonna get something out of the book either way whether you've been to these places or not
1: yeah I hope so I definitely wrote it with that intention you know
0: yeah definitely when we think of the witch tour you know uh, of um, Europe or Britain you know mm-hmm. of Stonehenge and like of this course movie. and um, so how how important was it to you to to include the Vatican in there from your personal like definition of what a witch is and what a witch does.
1: Well, I think a lot of people don't think of, oh, well, let's say a lot of Americans don't think of Italy when you think of witch hunts mm-hmm. and you mostly people are thinking of England, maybe Scotland, and then maybe Germany, you know, I feel like those are the ones we know about. So I also I started in Italy cause I wanted to link, um, the history of how even witch hunting kind of started and the idea of, you know, black magic, you know, practiced by women and it, it ties into the ancient world and ancient Rome and all that. So I had to dig back into, you know, Italy's past. And so it's also the history of the Catholic church is is tied into this and Christianity, right? Because mm-hmm. even we don't have the term pagan until Christians come around and then, you know, everyone who's not Christian is sort of termed, Pagan, as a you know disparaging like term. So yeah, yeah, I think in the West we really love to label things. Yes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I didn't start out saying, "Oh my God, the Vatican has to be in here." But the more I was you know tracing the lineage of this figure we call the witch, that then became part of this you know horrible episode in history in the early modern era. I just realized that the Vatican was a big part of that, and people often still think it's only the catholic church that was involved in witch persecution or whatever you know Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of misinformation about that so i really wanted to also include the vatican to say yeah there of course you know the inquisition and the inquisitors started a lot of the witch persecution but it wasn't exactly how we think it was and you know protestants like really picked picked up uh the ball and ran with it. <laughs> so <laughs> there's not one group or a uh, religious sect to blame here.
0: Yeah, and I think ultimately as well um it really ties back into um capitalism. Mm-hmm. Like, my, my father's Hungarian, so mm-hmm. I, I've done a little bit of research into the, uh, you know, Hungarian folklore and so on. And one of the funniest stories that I read was that um, the witch hunts in Hungary, the witches that were killed, also just happened to be, like, the richest landowners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when those witches, quote-unquote witches yeah. were killed, of, then all of that land, beca- you know, was, was turned over to someone else.
1: Sounds about right. Yep.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we see this happening like in all different ways, how how finances and witch hunting go hand in hand.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, there were so many cases I read about where it was so clear it was just a land grab or a cash grab by the local community accusing whomever of witchcraft, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the eat the rich part of me is like, yeah <laughs> but then, you, know, but then we see how easily this can yeah. be, yeah, you know turned turned around really? and you talk about so again, like one of my favorite things about your writing is this like past, present, future, um you know, play that you have like oh i'm so I'm, I'm constantly like every time I another witch that you name comes up that I haven't heard of. I've got like this list now of like a dozen potential uh, subjects for the Missing Witches podcast.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I mean, my, my number one goal, A is to like honor the victims of the witch hunts, but also to amplify the voices of these people that are often forgotten or, you know, like not heard from anymore after their terrible deaths. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I feel like that's part of my job, part of why I'm here on you know earth right now to yeah. sort of, you know, think about these people and connect with their story, you know, yeah. and share it if I can. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that's what
0: a lot of us are doing. We're just like yes. doing doing the best we can to Yeah, honor you're
1: doing them. it, clearly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but even, you know, even those of us who don't write books or, or yeah. have podcasts, you know, just by learning these people's stories, I feel that we're honoring them, whether we share yes. them in public or not.
1: Absolutely. Even a moment of reading about them and thinking and imagining, you know, they're alive still. Their their memories are alive. Yeah.
0: It's like that old saying like you you die twice, like first when your body goes, and then the last time someone says as your name oh
1: yes you know oh, and so yes. we are like
0: we are quite literally based on that old saying keeping these people
1: alive absolutely and that's wonderful if I perished that way you know I would want people to keep <laughs> me alive too <laughs> so speaking
0: of amplification but in another sense mm-hmm. I
1: definitely
0: see you and, and I'm gonna guess you see yourself based on how you present yourself as a rock and roll witch
1: You're correct.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you talk to me about that, like, long-standing relationship between rock and roll and the occult?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that my occultic interests, you know, besides, like, the practices I told you about that were kind of taught to me by my mom or I was around, like... But that wasn't like the occult, you know, the history of the occult sciences and stuff. I learned all that shit when I was like listening to Led Zeppelin in like sixth grade. (laughs) And I mean, I had much older brothers, like 20 years older. So I always liked super old, like 60s, 70s music and then 80s. But that's pretty much where I stopped. (laughs) I was like, 90s and later, who cares? (laughs) So like love classic rock. And, you know, we have that like late 60s, 70s occult revival, and, you know, bands like Coven and I was on Black Sabbath and, you know, I was watching some documentary on Led Zeppelin in sixth grade and they were talking about Aleister Crowley and, you know, Jimmy Page, like owning his house. And I was like, what is this? You know, <laughs> it just seems so mysterious and fascinating. Um, and So that definitely like a million other people, you know, <laughs> yeah. like sparked an interest and, I was, I always wanted to be like a music journalist or just in bands. And like, that was my whole thing for like most of my twenties. And then finally I had this big shift later and then I, you know, shifted what I was doing in my work, but like rock and roll is, I still think like my religion, you know? (laughs) I, I can understand that for sure. Yeah. I find it like a lot of the magical practices I do involve like devotionals with some sort of music and it's usually heavy, like, occult themed you know metal or classic rock or whatever and I'm okay with that even if that's like super cliche like <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of power and energy in music and that's where I can like channel source and feel the magic of the world like in those vibrations like going to live shows oh you know yeah. I've done all kinds of stuff just to go around the world to see shows live because it's just like that is the holiest moment to me oh I just- was
0: t- I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine the other day and she is not a witch. She would laugh if you called her a witch. She's right. like super like, and I don't want to say that witches are not this, but she thinks that they are not this. She's very logical and uh-huh. she doesn't see how you can be logical and a witch at the sure. same time. Which yes. again is like part of the work that I'm doing is yeah, to show you can be a logical witch. Oh, <laughs> but we were talking about, you know, live shows, especially in the context of 2020, where we're missing them. And for mm. the, us, where it is church, we're missing our church. Yeah. And she was saying, despite her very staunch, you know, anti-spiritualist atheism, she admits that, you know, certain shows have been the closest to religious experience that she has
1: ever. Absolutely. Like I saw Iggy Pop when I was like uh, 17 and he was like doing the crowd surfing and like, and it's never going to be the same as back in the day. Like I wish I could go back in time and be there in the seventies and eighties but I can't. So anyway, I'll take what I can get, <laughs> but I still, you know, I definitely have seen so many shows where I felt like this, you know, this, it doesn't get better than this. And, and sometimes those feelings that that collective magic is more powerful than any spell work I've done with a coven with myself, with anything. Like, right, I have manifested stuff, but you know, thinking of it during a show, like sort of meditating on things during shows, mm-hmm. and I, it definitely came to fruition for me. So that that is another kind of spellcraft that <sighs> is so powerful, not even talked about that much, you know.
0: Yeah, well, this is what I was going to say that I don't know if you're working on your fourth book right now, but I would like for your book to fourth book to be about this. And I will tell you exactly why. Please, because, yeah. <laughs> Again, one of the reasons that Risa and I started this project is because we were reading books and, you know, passing them back and forth and, you know, whatever, talking about what we had learned and what we yeah. had found. And there's this one book in particular called Season of the Witch. I oh, of course, I called. read it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice it's, that there were no fucking women in it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, mean, I was just like, <laughs> I, I, Peter Biebergal's is the author and like he's awesome. And I totally love that book. But I agree, there needs to be that one about the femininity that is so <sighs> vital.
0: Business. Or or e- even just, like, that includes, you know, because yes. I, I, I I, was reading the book, and again, like, I was really enjoying learning about, like, Jimmy Page, like you were saying, and, like, totally. Alistair Crowley buying yeah. his house and all of that, but I just, I kept expecting to find, because I know, like, for example, you know, Jim Morrison had that, like, witch wedding to that, yes. <laughs> you know, woman, and so I think that Oftentimes, it was probably women who were bringing these ideas to Jim Morrison, to Jimmy Page. But they Oh, totally. But who were they, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, and sometimes, like, I love Pamela DeBar and, like, wow, you know, the yeah. groupie culture and all that. And, like, those are, like, the witches of, you know, that's a fascinating... You know, you're saying this. And yes. I'm like, Maybe this does need to be my next book. Oh, I man. really hope so.
0: Like if I could facilitate it anyway. I wow. You know what? I'm know. just
1: gonna say, look, people want it. And by that people I mean you. So yeah. I'm just gonna Yeah, you tell your publishing
0: house, listen, people have really been <laughs> <laughs> because that's the book that I want to read.
1: Oh, I wanna read that too. And there's some books, like you're right, but it's not the whole like story and you know jinx dawson um designed the sigil for my old website sluttest like i definitely wish there were more discussions of like the witch aspect of rock and roll and i you know i have that chapter in which is Let's feminist which is like a mini version of that book, exactly,
0: <laughs> and that's like I need that expanded to 200, 300 pages.
1: Okay. Sure. okay, thank you for that input. <laughs> you have inspired me today, so I appreciate it. <laughs> okay,
0: I I have one more before I, I will let you go back to your inspiration and your next book. <laughs> Writing your next book start today, um, okay? And because you you did say yeah, mentioned someone had designed a sigil for your website, mm-hmm. and I can't remember which book it's in, but you. Um, you liken tattoos to protection sigils. Mm,
1: yes, yes, of course. Can
0: you talk about that for our tattooed or our non-tattooed listeners?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I've designed sigils, like, for certain purposes and had them tattooed on me. So it's like you're, you know, bringing it into being and on your skin, obviously. Um, it's any charged symbol is just is certainly going to go deeper, literally, when you're tattooing it on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I feel like I know a lot of witches who get their a part of their practices, like sacred tattoos or, you know, and part of the, the ritual of getting the tattoo, you know, is, is, is a whole other thing that goes along with it, um, and especially like the artists. Like I know multiple artists who are witches, you know, tattoo artists who are witches. And then they they sort of help midwife that process into being. So like they're yeah. they're conjuring that. I just and they're channeling
0: that <laughs> you likening the tattooist to to midwifery or like the doula, <laughs> yes. the doula of protection who's like yes. walking you through this process because yes. for sure it is I mean it, it, it there's pain mm. There's and patience, blood. yeah, <laughs> patience and blood and, and a financial sacrifice that you have to make, presuming you're paying your tattoo artist. Oh my God, everyone I mean, pay better. your tattoo artist, yeah. <laughs> tip, <laughs> tip your tattoo artist, but yeah. So you're making these sacrifices.
1: Yes. And so it, yeah. it
0: really is. Like, I really think it, it is like a modern and it's not modern. I mean, people have been doing so like ancient. very <laughs> ancient ritualistic and, and again, to, to invoke power, yeah. Um, Uh, and so yeah to me that this is uh, i mean some people are more flippant about it some people are like "Oh, i just got it because it was pretty and i have no problem with that if you just want to adorn yourself oh yeah
1: i have some tattoos that are just like i don't know i just like thought it looked cool so (laughs) i'm not like saying everything i have is like sacred for by Uh. any
0: means (laughs) I think all of my tattoos are sacred. However, they're not all good.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I, that's a good way to put it. I yeah. like that.
0: I think some of my shitty tattoos are some of my
1: favorite ones. Yes. I, I, as my old tattoo artist used to say, like, nobody likes someone with all perfect tattoos.
0: <laughs> no. Because again, I think that like this, like there's something dirty and gritty not dirty my god (laughs) that was the wrong word please everyone clean needles Uh, clean clean stations yeah I I don't mean dirty but dirty is the word gritty I guess yeah yeah about rock and roll about getting there's like um
1: I mean they were outlawed you know there's an outlaw sort of like illegality or sort of like subversive you know nature to all of that stuff
0: yeah and so for me, like, it really is a spiritual practice getting tattooed for sure. And that's why I, I mean, I haven't had a walk-in since I was a teenager. Yeah, know? me neither. Like, I really, I feel like, you know, first of all, this is someone who's going to be like over my body for mm-hmm. hours. Um, so for just that reason alone, I, I need to be comfortable with them. But again, like when you're carrying someone's art around for yeah. the rest of your life, like I feel like that's such a major connection. It
1: really is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I got one tattoo where the artist Marigold Santos, hi Goldie. Um, You know, (laughs) she, and I hadn't really thought about it this way before, but she was like, thank you for carrying my art. I love that. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, wow, you know, like that is amazing. Like I have, I have an original Marigold Santos. It's going to be on my body forever. And I think that that's beautiful.
1: That is really cool. I have like one tattoo that was designed by a friend and I'm always like, Oh, I hope we stay good friends because that would be upsetting. <laughs>
0: you know, a great way to end a friendship supernaturally is to get matching tattoos. I found that this is just like,
1: you know of- what I've heard. I've, I know people say that but I have one friend and we have three matching tattoos and it's still going strong. So, you know, I yeah. don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> I
1: believe in us. We're going to be together forever. <laughs>
0: yeah. One, one of my friends got a tattoo that said forever lucky and as soon oh. as he as soon as he got it I was like if I got that t- tattoo I would walk out of the shop and get hit by a car. Oh There's my god. No in my that mind. is so
1: <laughs> Terrible and also funny. (laughs) Yeah, you know,
0: it's like to me, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah, I
1: would never. Forever lucky. Want that or like a relationship tattoo? Like I don't actually have any of those. Like that. That seems like a death knell to me.
0: (laughs) You know, my husband before we were married, he tattooed my name on his chest.
1: Oh, okay, so it worked out. It worked out, and it was
0: like a beautiful gesture. He's not a heavily tattooed guy. I think that was like his second oh, tattoo. Oh, wow.
1: That's an even bigger deal. Wow.
0: But to me, like, and again, because I'm like a feminist, I think I, I had a little bit more of a problem with like branding myself mm. with a man's name. Uh, totally. <laughs> so I, like uh, uh, many of my tattoos are, are a tribute to our relationship in some way or another, but it's just not like his name. The
1: name. I totally get that, and I, I don't think I could have uh, a name, anyone's name of any gender on me. I don't know. That feels like hmm, I, I'm me. But symbols and all kinds of devotional things, I'm totally yeah. all for that.
0: I also refused to change my name when we got married, so he, he knows. He's
1: <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> like, this is me.
0: This is me. So again, I look very forward to um your fourth book. Um Feminist, I'm so glad and you Acultism.
1: decided it for me. And you know, I gotta say, I look forward to your book. I pre-ordered it.
0: So. Oh, thank you so much. It's so well, you know this. You're a book witch. It's like it's terrifying and thrilling. Yes. So my next book purchase will be Cat Call. And in the meantime, oh, nice. I highly suggest that our readers go out and if you um, want to learn about um, specifically, you know, feminism and sex magic and that kind of thing, start with Witches Sluts uh, and Witches, Sluts, Feminists, I always try to put an and in there. I know, me too. (laughs) (laughs) And if you have that itchy travel and you can't travel, then like today, order yourself a copy of Witch Hunt and go traveling with Kristen. I really can't recommend it enough.
1: Oh, thank you so much. You're the
0: best. Thank you so much to you, the rock and roll witch. May you take your place on the, the forever altar of the rock and roll occult.
1: Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And hex the haters. Now, before I officially say goodbye to you, do you have, like, what is your grand message to the world that you want to leave with the missing witches as your final
1: parting thought? I guess, you No, know, the journey never ends. So... Dot dot dot. Yeah, never I, think, I think that's. I think that's what it is. You know, this is an ongoing. I think everyone knows this who, who gets into the occult or witchcraft. But like, be ready for the ride of a lifetime.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Chris. Thank
1: you so much.
0: What an awesome! I can't wait to meet you in person someday know, when we have like that. our parties.
1: <laughs> um, you're you're living in New York. Yes.
0: Okay, I'll call you as soon as I'm allowed to cross the border
1: awesome i will be there for the hang <laughs>
0: thank you so much and thank once you. again to the missing witches coven kristen sole that's s-o-l-l-e accent aigu e and go and buy these books they're fantastic bye kristen bye thank you so much <laughs> that was amazing you must be a witch don't forget to go to foxglovefarm.com and use offer code missing witches